you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. Hello, I'm delighted to welcome Ben Crossland, Cross of Crossland's Nursery, known to me and to many as Austromeria Ben. So it's great to have you, Ben, as a guest in our new series. Um, and I know I've tried to work out today how long I've known you for, and it's over 10 years. So yeah. we're getting older. So can you tell us about <laughs> Crossland's Nursery, its history, all about it? Tell our listeners yeah. all about yourself. We're getting older, but the flowers keep us young and refreshed and full of energy. So that's all good. Uh, yeah, it was about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so brief history. As I say, I did marine biology from 2000 to 2011. Uh, came back here on the ranch, Crosslands, in 2011. And um, the rest is history. And I think I must have met you between somewhere between 2011 and 2014, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But as I say, yeah, I'm a fourth generation grower uh, with my great grandparents starting out on the Land Settlement Association, the LSA, which uh, back in the 1930s, we had the Great Depression. Uh, a lot of miners, high unemployment, so a lot of people out of work. So back then, the government set up over 20 areas around the UK where unemployed families would go and work and farm the land. And my great grandparents were originals, one of the original families that signed on the dotted line, started their new life growing in farming. And then my granddad joined them after World War Two. He met my nan, who was a Pompey girl just down the road here in uh, Portsmouth. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Sort of my nan, obviously, and my granddad had my dad, uncles and aunties down on the market gardens at Siddlesham on the LSA. And then we moved here uh, to Crosslands, which is near Walberton. If you don't know where, it's not where they make the bread. It's Walberton near Arundel, which has got the big castle. Uh, if you've ever seen Frozen, uh, which I haven't, apparently Arundel Castle, that's what it's based on. Um, I'm about 20 minutes um, west of Brighton. So between Portsmouth and Brighton, that's where Crosslands is. Uh, between the South Downs National Park and the beach. So a lovely little microclimate, perfect for growing. And um yeah, we moved here in 57. So I so say we've been going and growing since 1936 and been based where we are, where I live today on the ranch since 57. So very rare in farming, but even rare in the cut flower trade um, that we're still going from 1936 to 2022. You must be one <laughs> of the, the only ones. Thrown at us. <laughs> yeah. we, I feel probably are. We probably are. Um, I know there's like Smith and Munson have been going, I think, since the 40s or 50s, but um, I've never met anyone that's been going since the 30s um, at the moment and still going. So that's a real, real brief history. But yeah, I do encourage the listeners to look up, um, just Google uh, LSA Siddlesham or Land Settlement Association Siddlesham, and you'll get a whole, uh, it's a national lottery funded historic scheme. You'll get the whole, the whole scheme, which my great grandparents were involved in. And um, if any of you guys know the repair shop on TV, that's uh, filmed at the Wilden Downer Museum, which is 10 minutes away. And there's actually a house that was on the market garden. There's going to be a whole physical exhibition at the Wild and Downland, uh, all about the LSA as well. So loads of info. It's a whole nother talk. But um, that's where my roots began. <laughs> and, yeah. and what sort of scale are you growing on now then, Ben? 
so we've got four or five largest greenhouses, all uh, biomass sustainably heated greenhouses. And um, as I say, we do a smorgasbord, a plethora of different varieties. So we do over 70 different varieties of the Peruvian lily, the Alstromeria. It's called Alstromeria because of the Swedish dude who went over to Peru and Chile in the 1700s and brought the seed back. So a lot of people struggle to say Alstromeria. And even in the florists and supermarkets, they miss out the E between the O and the M. Uh, they misspell it. So if you struggle with that, just Peruvian lily, lily of the Inca, that's its common name. So we do over 70 varieties and um, we produce uh, or harvest millions of stems uh, through the course of year, uh, the course of the year with spring and autumn, uh, where we're doing thousands of stems a day. So we're we're busy. And who are you selling <laughs> yeah. to? Where's your market? I know it's been up and down over your history, but where, where are you selling to today and where did you sell to historically? Yeah, so historically, obviously, large growers, um, we supplied wholesalers and supermarkets because they wanted to buy British because it was within their own country. They didn't have to worry about transport. And that was back when the public got used to having things all year round. Um, you know, they got used to having strawberries, blueberries from Egypt, black be uh, green beans from Kenya. Um, so Alstromere was seen as a good alternative crop. Um, because we could supply supermarkets and wholesalers, hence supplying the British public all year round with a plethora of different colours. And um, but I'll say over the years, the supermarkets went for the inferior, cheaper imported product. Uh, and we're just talking about pence, 0.01p over in Ecuador. If it's less than a penny a stem over there, they'll go over there. So um, my generation, um, we now supply uh, direct to the public. So for 20 quid, we do four big bunches delivered to your door with a little gift inside. Uh, we supply direct to florists, uh, direct to other flower farmers that they're getting busier, but don't have um, as much flour all year round. So we supply flower farmers. Uh, we supply farm shops, cafes and restaurants that have a locally sourced sustainable food menu, but they want um, sustainable flowers on their tables. Um, we still do supply uh, Morrison's. So we've supplied all the supermarkets you can think of rattling around in your head. We've supplied them once, at least once in our history. Uh, the last supermarket we were supplying was Sainsbury's. Um, uh, February 2020, got a phone call from Sainsbury's saying they don't want to, on Valentine's Day as well, 14th of February 2020, they said, Ben, we don't want your flowers anymore because we can get them 4p cheaper a bunch from uh, from Colombia. So um, that was them gone. And uh, Morrison's came in and so far Morrison's have been been pretty good. Um, we don't even supply to Covent Garden anymore because they just return us rubbish money, rubbish prices. So yeah. we do a little bit. Um, we do about 20 odd buckets or boxes to Brighton Market because it's only 20 minutes away. And through the British Flowers Rock campaign and the talks and these beautiful podcasts that I get to go on, spread the word that um, people now demand my flowers. So apart from Brighton Market, a little bit to Morrison's, there's a big gap which we've had to fill. And um, we just sell our flowers to people that care about planet earth because we've only got one and we need we to look after it so you just work with like-minded uh, indie businesses um don't have to be within the flower trade as i say we supply a lot of cafes restaurants other people that just care about the environment so um we've had to diversify who we supply to survive <laughs> so what would you say the main issues of british flowers in the uk are i mean obviously the supermarkets is an issue and importation. I think, uh, uh, personally, I think a big issue is that people don't realise that 90% of the flowers in the UK are, are not British um, because they're not labelled. But what do you think are the main issues of British flowers in the UK? 
uh, where the issues have been growing since the 1960s, 1970s, where uh, basically flower growers have not been treated fairly uh, and you can't just flick a switch. So guess what my number one question is from from florists and my customers? Ben, do you know any other British growers that can supply me through the year? And I go, no. But 30 years ago, just here in Sussex, there was Roses, Sweet Williams, Cresants, Alstomere, a plethora, loads of large scale, largest scale, big family businesses with big greenhouses. And now they're all gone. They're just red brick housing estates where they got treated so bad um, over time. And now because there's no... Um, we don't get any help from the NFU. We don't get any help from DEFRA. We don't get any government funding. For me to build another just quarter of an acre of glass house is a quarter of a million pounds. And that's just for the structure. And that's a second hand structure coming from Holland, because in Holland, they have government funds where they renew their greenhouses every few years and their old greenhouses go into storage. But for me to buy one of those old greenhouses in storage, it's you know, you just can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. So we need help. So over the long term, we've been treated very poorly. And right now, product placement labeling, we're again, 20, 30, 40 years behind in terms of clothing, cars, food, other industries. When you're buying your clothes, you want 100% recycled clothing. When you're buying a car now, you want it 100% electric or at least half electric. When you're buying your food, you know, you want to be buying British bacon and not Danish bacon that was packed in Britain. Or, you know, you want to be buying free range eggs and not barn or battery hen eggs. When you go up to the fish counter, you're looking for that sustainable fish logo. But with flowers, you walk up to the Sainsbury in Chichester here. A big sign. We support 100 percent British flowers. Oh, do you? Ecuador, Colombia, Kenya. And half the time, there's not even the country on the label anymore. So to give you an example of labelling. We obviously used to supply Sainsbury's. They used to have a picture of my uncle on the label, Crossland's Nursery, beautiful traceability. You knew where a percentage, a tiny bit of your money was going to that farmer. Then they got rid of that, which he was quite happy about because he got fed up of seeing his face in Sainsbury's. Um, and then they put the Union Jack in the top right hand corner. Then they got rid of the Union Jack. And on the uh, Ulster Mary, it said grown in UK slash Columbia. They just lumped us in with the Colombian stuff. So a consumer has no educated choice. Then obviously they got rid of us and it said Ulster Mary from Colombia. Then they've got rid of Colombia. And now in Sainsbury's, it says Ulster Mary, four quid. And that's it. And that's what most flowers are labelled. So as we're recording this podcast, it's Halloween. So in all your supermarkets, there'll be Halloween bouquet, 15 quid. It'll be just the name of the bouquet and the price. Yeah. Not what chemicals are on the packaging, not what chemicals are on the flowers, not when it was harvested, where it was harvested. You've got no information apart from what the bouquet is called and the money. And it's just not good enough because any other industry... That's illegal. You can't missell stuff to your public. That's illegal. Um, and uh, yeah, things badly need to change. But that's why I do my British Flowers Rock campaign. And hopefully one day someone will um, will take me seriously. Yeah, because <laughs> both you and I believe the same, don't we, Ben? And we know there's got to be change. And maybe the current position will make things change because the importation of flowers is a lot more expensive and price will drive a market. And so maybe... Maybe this is our time to shine as British flower growers. Yeah, but that's the problem. We've been treated so badly over so many decades that, again, I've just had a florist phone me before I come on this podcast. Ben, can I have some of your Australia? No, I sell out within a second every Monday. You can't flick a switch. You can't yeah. flick a switch. So if it's all price driven, 
If I was then to invest a quarter of a million pounds and 10, 15 years later, we're back in the situation where it's cheaper to import flowers. No, there needs to be a proper long term plan, just like in with the food, clothes, cars or any other industry, a long term plan all built around sustainability. You know, we're worrying about if there's an ash cloud, we can't get our stuff into our little island. We're worrying about if there's Brexit Mexit, we can't get stuff into our little island. We're worrying about the COVIDs, the vids. We're worrying about, obviously, the war in Russia is stopping stuff coming into our country. Empty shelves, higher food prices, higher clothes and whatever prices. So, um, you know, it's a knee jerk reaction every time to the ash cloud, Brexit, COVIDs or the war in Ukraine. No one is doing a thing about it and uh, it's not consistent enough. So need a long term vision. As long as there's no one in the government, no one in DEFRA, no one in the in the National Farmers Union to do flowers or protected ornamentals, it's going to be too difficult to, to do that. So change needs to happen and, and um, it's not happened Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since 2011 and 2020 two in 11 years since I've been doing my Me campaign too. nothing's changed yeah it's like that was one of my questions how can we make it change change mm. is really slow really slow isn't it? I've seen it over 12 years really slow um oh. and it can only happen with a government strategy ultimately yeah I mean in in 11 years um a lot of my parents friends that run the flower nurseries big greenhouses and all that it's all gone and you can lose you can lose one big flower nursery and you could have a hundred smaller growers, but you're never going to replace that family knowledge of growing, the heritage, the infrastructure. You know, yeah. it's um, a lot of money is an infrastructure is, and 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 um, sort of that sustainable growing on large scale is lost um, because we've not learned this on YouTube or colleges or whatever we've learned this from our great grandparents and grandparents and things like that and so you lose your area of flower growing but you also lose that that vital knowledge and that's in your blood and in yeah. your soul you know uh, you can't teach that you can't teach that on in colleges and things like that so it's um very difficult it is very difficult to um as i say it's People like um, some supermarkets, wholesalers, even florists, they go, oh, Ben, but why haven't you got any flowers now? Well, it's nature. It's it's winter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not a factory, you know, and people don't understand, even though we're large scale, it's still relying on nature. And obviously, our even though our we run on sustainable biomass heating, the wood has gone up by four, six hundred percent. So we can't we can't charge our customers another 600 percent so we'll just have to heat our crop at lower temperatures to get us through the, winter. the winter but that's what's good about Austramaria because as you know it's a cool crop so by a cool crop we mean it looks cool in your arrangements and your bouquets and all that stuff but it, it doesn't need a lot of heat to survive through the winter and we're right on the south coast imagine growing a crop that needs a higher temperature but you're growing in the midlands or or in Scotland or whatever it's you know, I, I really feel for growers like that who um, who are really going to struggle yeah. because they're just not going to get their yield. And it's um, it's a big worry. You know, as we do this podcast, the it's a real big worry. You know, I know. I know. Um, what can the public do? What can our listeners do, Ben? How can they what can they do? Because to, to, it's a kind of push and pull, isn't it? You've got obviously government setting strategy and then you've got consumers demanding. And the consumer's demand is quite strong. But what, what can they do? What can they do to help things? 
Uh, well, the government is actually doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as I say, I had the uh, I had the MP for this. So I obviously near the South Downs. So I had the local MP for the South Down region come out to my nursery. It took months, months for me to be on his radar. And he just came to my nursery because he was in the area. You know, it wasn't a special visit. You know, he just, oh, I've got a bit of time. I'll pop in. And um, I told him everything I tell people when I'm doing my British Flowers Rock Talk. I showed him around for an hour. And at the end of the hour, he said, oh, is your dad still working? And I said, well, at the age of 70, yeah, I'm afraid he is. What a stupid question. After all that information that I'd given him, that's what came out of his mouth. Pathetic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we're working with. There's no one that understands what, what's going on here. So the government and everything, they're not doing anything. So the public, I found, they don't know that over 90% is imported. They don't know hardly any of this stuff. That's why I do the campaign. And once I've done told these people, they start ordering from me and all of that. But then I'm selling out. You know? yeah. So the, the theory is that more needs to be done at a higher level and still more needs to be done at what I'm doing. So I still do about 50 or 60 British Flowers Rock Talks a year. And I've done now over 500 since 2014, proving that the public, they like my content. They want to learn about it. They then pass on my details to other garden yeah. shows and events and things. So, you know, people want me to be heard. But I'm a tiny little grower in a tiny little village in Warburton in Sussex. <laughs> you know, if our government says stay at home, everyone stays at home. But if a little flower grower at the bottom here says British Flowers Rock, da, 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 that takes that is never going to reach the top, top, top people. So um, as you say, it's pull and give and all this stuff. But basically, people at the top needs need to understand uh, what's going on at the at, in the soil at the ground level. And um, they just don't. And and the public, it's a real struggle for the public because still labelling and product placement in supermarkets. So I know we're banging on about supermarkets, but 60 odd percent of British uh flowers sold in the UK are bought in supermarkets and then we've got letterbox companies we've got gas station petrol station flowers we've got big online forests like arena funky pigeon moon pig um freddy's flowers bloom and wild all these people you know that that's another side so it's not just about florists but farm shops cafes restaurants you know with the whole industry uh, you know you might go to the hairdresser and they might have a vase of flowers on the reception desk you know there's over 90% chance that they're not, yeah. you know, homegrown, yeah. but flown, you know, and obviously we want to be buying homegrown and not flown. So that's what I just give to the public, really. I just give them a bit of a, a wake up call and just give them a few sort of bullet points on sustainability. And then and then off they go. And then I start getting phone calls from their local farm shops and florists who want to stock it because um, that's the whole point. You know, British flowers, we want the British public supporting uh, British florists, farm shops, you know, we want to work together on this because if if a customer, if a general public, they take my business card or my name into a supermarket, they're not going to care. But if they take it into a florist, a farm shop, a cafe, a restaurant, another indie business, they're going to listen yeah. more because they want that local community vibe, you know. So um, that's what it's all about. Yes, educating people to buy British flowers, but also educating people to support their local florist and urge their local florist to get a bit more sustainable. Yeah. Because, you know, NAFAS, they bang on about floral, no floral foam, but that's like a chef saying, right, 
get out all the Italian and French cutlery and plates. We're going to get in uh, British cutlery, British plates, but we're still going to be cooking with imported product food. Yeah. <laughs> My brain doesn't compute. You know, someone like NAFAS, the RHS, they need to do more as well. So it's not just government, but NAFAS, RHS, you know, they, they won't have me on their speaker list because I'm not a demonstrator. You know, I just whack flowers in a vase um, and they arrange themselves. But the, the um, I do a lot of NAFAS Flower Club talks illegally because flower clubs, they've seen me at other garden shows. They want me to come and speak to their members. But more importantly, the demonstrators that then come into that flower club after I've done my talk, the audience is better educated. So they go, oh, why aren't you using, why aren't you using Ben? He grows all Stramero. Or what percentage of British flowers are you using in your demonstration? And things like that. Yeah. So if people like Nafas can, yes, bang on about the no floral foam, but also bang on about actually the products and flowers that florists are using as sustainable, then that's that's what we need to do. Wow. Uh, stop focusing on no floral foam. Focus on that, but also focus on focus on the products you're actually demonstrating with. Because I say it's just like a chef saying, "Well, we're going to cook with imported food, but serve them on British plates." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, 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 my it just does make no sense in my tiny little brain. So um, yeah, so it's not just government, but also um, you know, RH. Oh no, RHS events. I'm always emailing them. Look, I do my British Fails Rock Talk for free at Chelsea, all these events that I don't have time to go to, but I'm happy to go to for an hour, do my talk and go home. But, you know, they, they don't want me because I don't have seeds or shovels to sell or whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to sell tickets. No one's going to come to Chelsea to see Ben Cross. They're going to come to Chelsea to see Monty Don and, and all the other people, which is great. But, yeah, they, they need they need to do um they need to do more. Again, Monty Don, great job with the no plastic pots and all of that but again british cut flowers they always get left out and it's a 2.2 billion pound industry it's an industry that's big but needs to be shouted about in a more sustainable way yeah don't get me on oasis or floral foam um <laughs> <laughs> who is the most influential person in your life ben well my mum she is she is um, the gardener that I look up to because she, you know, people go, oh, Ben, I've got a problem with this plant. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I only know all Stromeria. Yeah. <laughs> but my mum, she knows, she knows all, she knows about just gardening in general. She's very, very good. Um, but obviously my granddad, my dad, you know, just the whole setup here. It's, um, there's 20 odd people in my generation. So I've got a lot of uncles Ooh. and aunties. So I've got a lot of cousins, basically my age. And um no one was sort of dumb enough to uh, <laughs> carry it on apart from me. So, um, but, you know, I've been um, inspired and all that to, to carry this song because it's right and wrong, black and white. This is my little patch of earth. That That's I don't what I'm passionate want to go, about. I don't want to go to a red brick housing estate. I want to keep growing sustainable flowers on my little on my little plot of land on planet Earth, you know. So, but yeah, so, um, yeah, definitely sort of my parents and um, people close to me because... Um, a lot of people look at me going, what an idiot. But actually, people close to me, they understand why I'm wired like this. So um, it's uh, they mean a lot, you know. And so mm. what keeps you up at night then? The whole British flowers rock or how you can change? What keeps you up at night? Does anything keep you up at night? Uh, yeah, I only sleep for about four hours Woo! out of 24, <laughs> don't I? So, <laughs> um, well, we had our biomass boiler, an oxygen sensor break the other day. So we've been trying to get that fixed and just little things like that just you know i want to get it all sorted you know <laughs> um so yeah i don't lie awake at night worrying about the 
state of the industry because I'm keeping positive and the next day I'm doing a talk to another hundred people and going to educate them. So it's more excitement about it really because <clears throat> people seem to enjoy me and um you know so that's not really a worry. But yeah it's it's things obviously you know increasing prices just on elastic bands or or our recyclable sleeves that we put the flowers in or or the packaging or fertilizer or the heating and all that you know it's um it's a bit of a worry but there's worse worse things going on in the world right now and we're lucky that we grow a sustainable crop anyway it's a cool crop it doesn't take a lot of heat it's a dry crop it doesn't take a lot of water you know if we look after the plants they last for 30 40 years we can keep getting good stems from them for 30 wow. 40 years so it's a nice sustainable crop we're not always having to replant and so on and so on so that's what i mean all stromeria to grow in britain is very sustainable anyway because granddad didn't really use the word sustainable back then it was just like what's what's kind of re- not easy but what's going to what can we grow that's going to give us a good yield and not take too much input? Because what's the point of growing something in the UK that takes a lot of energy, a lot of input to get a little bit out of it? You know, so with all area, not a lot of water, not a lot of heating, all that stuff. So it's um, nice and sustainable to grow in the UK as well. So especially down here, we're now classed as a temperate region. <laughs> You know, uh, Spain, France, Italy, all those wine producers, they're buying up land near the downs here where I live for their vines. You know, there's 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 yeah, there's red brick houses going up, but there's also a lot of um, vineyards going up here as well because we're a temperate region now. We're we're mid-October and it's uh, nearly 20 degrees outside here. Do you know what I mean? That's another issue, isn't it? It's like mm. so, yeah, yeah. So we're we're in a good. We've got the best light levels, best soil, and uh, best microclimate because it's cooler here in the summer because of the sea breeze, and warmer here in the winter because the downs buffers the heat from the ocean back towards us. So, um, and a lot of the bad weather that comes from the southwest. The downs also protect us from from the high winds and and the weather a lot of the time. So we're we're not not too bad off. No. <laughs> So tell no. me, Ben, how can people find you? How how can they get involved in British Flowers Rock? How can they find you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email? How do they find you? How do they buy from you? Where can they find you? They can find me. So uh, if you're on Facebook, you can type in Crosslands Flower Nursery to Facebook, and you can find us on there. And it's um, at Ulstrom Area Ben on Twitter and Instagram. Or I think even on Instagram, if you type in Ben Cross into the search, it comes up now. So, um, yeah, either Ben Cross or Ulstromere Ben on IG. And, um, yeah, just uh, all my contact details, so my email, phone number, and you can direct message on all those platforms if you want to order flowers or you want to book me for a – you want to book a British Flowers Rock Talk for your garden club or flower club or whatever club you're part of as well. So – and we do virtual tours as well. So through the lockdowns, I couldn't actually get out and do my talks. So – I've set up a little Wi-Fi booster and we do virtual tours. So if you're a flower club up in Scotland, we can do a virtual tour. So there you go. Bring it on. Bring it on. Thank you very (laughs) much, Ben, for joining me today. I have to say um, you are the most motivated, somebody who works the most hours and is the most responsive person I've ever met. And um, yeah, we'll keep going. We'll keep on trying. Um, and keep on rocking keep on rocking british flowers <laughs> definitely do rock so thank you very much for joining me and um so thank you very much ben and and next friday we'll be talking to david galston who's a professor of biology at the university of sussex 
And he has published a number of books, one called Bumblebees and one called Silent Earth and another called Garden Jungle. And he'll be joining us to tell us about the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. We'll be talking more about sustainability and eco. And we look forward to seeing you next Friday. Thank you. I look forward to next week's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on your podcast app. We do have some wonderful free resources on our website at thecutflowercollective.co.uk. We also have two free Facebook communities, which we'd love you to join. For farmers or those who want to be flower farmers, we have Cut Flower Farming, Growth and Profit in Your Business. And our other free Facebook group is Learn with the Cut Flower Collective for those starting out on their flower journey. All of the links are below. I look forward to getting to know you all.